0: Mentors, we got to spend some time with our friend, the famously excellent Quentin Lucas, mayor of Kansas City, the Paris of the Plains. We talk about how to accelerate your ambition, engage with somebody new, and to make truly authentic connections. Quentin taught us about being confident with your words, the currency of life. There's so many great nuggets in here, and we hope this episode inspires you for connection as much as it inspired us. Here we go.
1: So I want to say it's an honor to be with everybody today. I am Quentin Lucas, the mayor of Kansas City, the 55th mayor of Kansas City, but actually also tied for the youngest. So it's been an interesting career so far, uh, certainly a, a challenging time to be a mayor. I became mayor August 1st of 2019. And so I look forward to talking about life, challenges, and hopefully a positive future for my city, our country, and the world.
2: We hope to be a little bit, uh, a small part of that <laughs> Exciting new time that you uh, hope to lead us through, through mentoring. We think that an important web of community can come through augmenting the mentoring experience, and uh, Julie, we uh, we uh, thought that Quentin would be a fantastic person to chat with about building rapport and engagement, given uh, how he's so, so, uh, so strong at connecting to everybody in his life and through being a force of, of Q-nature, of course. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, it it has been a path that, although quick, hasn't always felt direct. And so it started very simply for me. And it's always interesting when you have uh, mentors when you're younger. So like uh, many a young person, I was somebody who needed something to do to channel my life. And I had this uh, track program I was involved in in middle school. And the uh, head coach was a law professor, a lawyer, a Hmm. guy who would just yell at us all the time. And I was like, what do you actually do? And he's like, no, I don't run track. I don't do anything. I'm a lawyer. I can take care of my family this way and all of that. And that got me kind of thinking about that world of things. I also often will tell the story of uh, this librarian that I knew. So when I was growing up, we didn't have air conditioning. uh, And if you're in the Midwest or the South, it gets pretty darn hot. And uh, so I would just go to the public library most summer afternoons. And I would read like the Sports Illustrated prediction of the 1994 Chiefs or something. And they'd be like, guaranteed Super Bowl, which never happened back then. But anyway, uh, a librarian finally said, why don't you actually get a library card so you can check out books and take things home? I said, sounds like a great idea. We started doing that. That was a lifelong love of learning and, and reading that started from that. And so when I think of a lot of those kind of normal walk of life people, they have been these amazing mentors that have never led me wrong. As I got into a professional life, uh there were few- wait, wait,
2: hold on I don't, I don't want to jump too fast yeah. here jump too fast so do, do you remember the track coach's name
1: yeah ken ferguson ken ken ferguson and uh he was a <laughs> i should think of better ways to describe things he was an, he's a quirky character uh who would always so i had to run the 800 meters anybody who's ever done that knows it is a hellish race that should be abolished from <laughs> all things because it's like <laughs> It's not quite a sprint, but it's not quite a distance race. Instead, it's just like, hate yourself for a long time. And he had this path where he's like, you run all out at this point and everything else. And then the last 200, you're just trying to survive. And I remember I ran it really well. And actually, I was running against his son at a competition. His son didn't listen to any of the instructions, came in first place, ended up running D1 track. I came in like fourth. And Coach Ferguson ran up to me and he was like, that was exceptional. You showed amazing mental toughness. And I was like, I'm about to die. I hate, this. I hate my life. I'm just tired, man. Can't I just watch the Flintstones or whatever I would do at that point in life? But, uh, I
2: wish I had some more physical grace with my yeah. mental toughness.
1: Right, But, uh, you know, it told me, you know, you just, I stood with the focus of plan your work and work your plan. Plan your work and work your plan. And, and keep your breakfast. <laughs> yeah. So that's that story.
2: I love it. Ken, did, did, did Ken have any certain like sayings that he repeated other than, of course, your mental toughness? So
1: other than shouting, accelerate, accelerate, Uh, which is probably tracking me going, I guess I could think about that in my real life too.
2: Yeah. That's something you've kept with you for sure. Accelerate.
1: Uh, And actually this, an 800 is a lot like my mayoral campaign. Uh, (laughs) But no, he, yeah, he had some sayings. I mean, uh, other than I'm working on your mental toughness. Uh, he spent a lot of time talking about uh, being black in America and the challenges that come up to you, and how you know you always have to believe in yourself more than you know relying on others to believe in you. If you believe that you're a great runner, you'll become a great runner. If you believe whatever, you're... it was really inspired in the '90s when we were more hopeful. Uh, but you know, maybe we'll bring it back to the '20s.
2: But. Uh... But, but so was, that was kind of talking about vision, that if you yeah. if you can't actually see where you want to go, how oh, are you going to get right. there?
1: Absolutely right. Like the things that I've done well are the things when I, I really want to feel that accelerate, right? The only way you run an 800 is if you actually <laughs> believe that you can. Because otherwise, yeah, you're just dying and everything else. And so I think that's the way campaigns work. That's the way that careers work, too. You already shared
2: such great stories uh, about some of your earlier mentoring experiences, which might have not felt like mentoring in the moment, but definitely had an effect on you, uh, especially some of your fantastic phrase, phrases like accelerate, which is reverberating in my head. Uh, but I, I right now we'd like to talk a little bit more about, you know, once you finished your quote unquote, like formal training or education through undergrad and then law school some of the people along the way while you were either finding or starting the positions at either the law firm or in academia, you know, I'm trying to follow in your shoes in academia a little bit these days, or even in the political realm. Uh, is, is there any, maybe a phrase that comes to mind that you love from those people uh, that were helping you along the way then? Uh, and and why, did, why, why did that person matter?
1: You know, a, a few different thoughts there. My first job after law school was clerking for a United States Court of Appeals judge by the name of uh, Dwayne Benton, and uh, he taught me something, and I know you want a phrase, but it kind of speaks to something we do in society, which is we added middle names in every case uh, because he said, you don't know how how bad it can be for somebody if they get confused for a serial killer and so you know instead of you know letting just to be jimmy edgerton we would always add you know jimmy jamarcus edgerton the fourth you know his full name and uh, you know i think that that was something that stuck with me he really didn't like one gilding the lily um and that was something that i thought about a lot you know these uh, uh attempts by many lawyers and many of life to try to stretch truths to stretch facts is something that i think we fight every day um as i went into law practice thereafter <laughs> I, I i had this guy i worked for i didn't practice law full-time very long in case you're wondering no offense to the lawyers out in his house but uh you know it's always it's not always the most fun but uh, actually a phrase i took from uh justice elena kagan And she said, I have a lifetime of learning about the law and teaching and all of that, and I am a famously excellent law teacher. And ever since I've actually used that phrase of famously excellent blank to think about how I should pursue every career effort, anything I've ever cared about being a famously excellent podcaster, a famously excellent mayor. You know, it's not how we Midwesterners usually speak. We like to just be like, ah, shucks. You know, I'm not the best husband. I'm just out of the billions of husbands. You got stuck with me. Ah, shucksy shucks. But uh, I think it's important for us to always strive to be famously excellent. And uh, I've, I've continued on that ever since. Not that I think I am, but it's certainly what I strive to be.
0: Quentin, I really, I love that as somebody who's from the Midwest, but now it's in New York City where everybody thinks they are the most excellent at absolutely everything. That's one of the things I love the most about New York is the, uh, is the complete and total confidence in themselves and everything that they do, um, which I love. It's the greatest city in the world, F you. Um, but what I, I love what you're bringing about that because I think something that um, Jimmy and I have talked quite a bit about when it comes to mentoring is how do you help people who are looking for mentors feel confident in themselves enough to go out and look for a mentor. So if somebody, you know, wants to potentially have somebody like yourself as a mentor, you know, how are they confident enough to reach out? You're, you're, you know, quite a, quite an exciting person. Um, You know, how do they have the confidence in themselves to do that? So do you have any advice on how people can really tap into that um, inner extraordinariness to be able to ask for help?
1: the the most important thing that you can do in life with mentoring is to remove the barriers to asking this is why in normal non-covid times the best thing you can do are actual sometimes even events or gatherings that can bring collectives of humans together it might be based upon some peer network it may be based upon uh some other group i'll give you an example from my own life which is a bit interesting uh not my life, the story. Um, I I moved back to Kansas City in 2009. And uh, I didn't have a lot of friends when I came back because I guess I had failed at high school. And so after having failed at high school, it meant that I needed to make a bunch of new friends. I had a friend by the name of Allison, uh, who was a Jewish gal who had spent time at the University of Michigan a few years in Chicago. And she said, well, I don't know about things for you, but we I go to these Jewish young professional networking events. Uh, I am not Jewish. Uh, and uh, when I go to a, a Jewish networking event, people don't really take me for a ringer for a member of the tribe. Uh, but I just started going. And I talk to people about, you know, what I do. And they would always just be wrong on what I, my job was. They're like, oh, do you work for the mayor? No, no, I don't. Do you uh, do any of these? No, no. And then you just really build up that chat. And I always think the way you really get mentors or mentees is by, we talked about this last time, is by humanizing yourself, showing that you are not just a, a position, a degree, uh, an income. Uh, you are instead someone who can actually be helpful for people along the way. And so I think that's been very helpful. Another thing that I try to do is to vastly overshare, not personal details about my life, but things like, you know, it is amazing. I gave out my cell phone number to Kansas City. In fact, you guys can have it too. It's 816-679-1662. I'll just say it fast though. (laughs) Nice technique. I can tell you really practiced it. Great work. Yeah. The amazing thing is that you'll see is Lots of people who won't sit down and call your office because that takes work or won't you know, even send you an email because that takes work will say, hey, thanks for texting. I have this issue or I wanted to talk about this or I'm running for office. What should I do? I really think reducing, removing the barriers to entry is the best way that we can get and create more mentors.
2: And, and so, Q, you're, you're saying that your thumbs put in that much effort on, 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 on the text
1: line? Sometimes, yes. I, th- I think the idea is that, you know, you don't respond with a lot of stuff. But you know how much it means to somebody, when somebody who they think can help them or can mentor them takes the time to do it. And, you know, I just remember my own upbringing, um, having this excitement. And I met my congresswoman when I was growing up. And she, you know, sent me to the dude who takes down one's, you know, number. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm friends with my Congresswoman. Right. And I mean, or just when I was, you know, at a law firm and summer so associated a law firm and, you know, seeing some big partner who says, yeah, I'd love to chat and they just make time for you. I mean, those things build so much confidence and they are so important for, I think, um, making a difference for people long-term.
2: Yeah, you are incredibly generous with your time. And uh, if I can uh, paraphrase something you told me recently, uh, words are the currency of life. And uh, you are very generous with your currency. So uh, I think that's a
1: really cool thing that you do. Because it relates to what I value, right? Our words relate to what we value, mm. right? It, it, think about it. If you're, if has anyone ever been to an awkward dinner or an awkward date, heaven forbid? you don't say a lot, or to the extent you say a lot, you're like, this is all BS, I don't like this person, so I'm just gonna go through like my, you know, rote kind of stuff. Whereas if you hit it off with someone, professionally or whatever, you want to share, you want to keep the conversation going. And that's where I really think, and that's where I get my value in life. That is my manna from the heavens, is actually just getting that connection with people and wanting to share more with them.
2: So so Q, I'm gonna challenge you on this one. Do you have any advice for somebody that maybe isn't uh, a natural extrovert when communicating? Because actually one of our symbols for uh, building engagement, you know, uh, principle five in our mentoring series is uh, in the third symbol, which is really kind of like the next next level of building engagement, I think, is that easy silence. So in the beginning, I totally agree. Some of that chemistry, you need to have the back and forth because you're almost building bricks. But then if you can get to a certain height of whatever you're building together and sit there in silence. To me, that's really kind of like, oh, like we are now so comfortable that a silence is not necessarily a negative. So is there something that when you are thinking about an introvert, uh, how they can still feel very comfortable in reaching out and not just feel like, you know, the dopamine rush. Oh, somebody's talking back to me or I'm making somebody happy.
1: I, I think, so on that first point, the barriers to entry point actually was germane to that. The idea that if you create a number of different media approaches through which one can visit with you, it, it means that they don't have to walk, you know, they don't have to stand up in a crowd of 200 people or walk into you in a room, but can instead text at, you know, 5 p.m. and just say, hey, I was wondering this. So I think that is one approach that you will often have. I think another is to, um, is a lot on the mentor. How do they make sure that they are always seeming friendly and accessible, and available? Um, and I think in, in a lot of cases, it is up to to us if you're in a mentor position um, to make that opportunity for people. But for that super introvert right now who's saying, "Yeah, I hear you, Lucas," but you know, I'm not going to text message, you know, Bill De Blasio tomorrow which I don't think I would either. Um, but let's say that person who um, was saying, I'm not going to do that. He
0: does work out at the YMCA next to me. Oh, I see him at the YMCA all the time. And it, and it humanizes him, right, Joy? He does a very slow biking. All right. And uh, it... I've seen parts of him that I don't wish to see, to be honest. Oh, so I'm pretty good on the humanizing of Bill de Blasio. <laughs> it's a story for another day
2: maybe we should just clarify, that would be the upper arms, Julie, the upper arms. Uh,
1: uh, hey, yeah.
0: you know, pass.
1: Um, all I will say is, right. Uh, for the person who doesn't want to um, maybe approach that person, I think what it's easier to say is one, mentors aren't always in these giant offices and giant roles. They're somebody that also is in your your business and you know even if you're too shy perhaps to walk up to them i think it's fair to say hey julie um, and email her and say i see that you do this thing that is different than what i do at my desk every day um how'd you get involved in it right i mean it's the sort of thing where you don't have to i think the fear that sometimes and i trust me i get nervous too um really you know it's that's good to hear." yes that you don't have to care you don't have to carry a conversation you can ask one thing that allows a person to go somewhere and glean from that i'll give you an example a few uh, weeks ago i met uh, nancy pelosi our house speaker uh and grand poobah of many great things and uh, you know so i walk up to her and what do i have to say i'm a 36 year old bum from middle america the humility again You know, I'm just a poor country lawyer standing in Washington Federal City. You know, talking to uh, the Speaker, and and I was kind of like, what do I have to say to her in a day where she's going to the White House, where there's all this other stuff, or you know, and really, all we talked about was you know, mayors and getting things done. Uh, and, you know, and it allowed me not to have to just say, Mayor, uh, Speaker Pelosi, I am Quentin Lucas, I do this, that, and the other, because she don't care. But instead, it is kind of a, hey, one finite question, how can I help you? Or how did you get into this? Or well, how do you pick federal government rather than local government? Probably something she actually almost never gets asked, actually, right? It's those things that I think really allow you to do things, and you can continue to be yourself while well, asking you them.
0: Quentin, that was such a great story. I would really love to know what was your opening line for Nancy Pelosi?
1: <laughs> All right. Opening line for Nancy Pelosi after Madam Speaker. Hello. Uh, I think it was something about, uh, and I'm trying to remember, uh, after, thank you for having us. You know, how can we help out on infrastructure from the local government side? That's it. Not exciting, not that big. it related to what we were talking about. It showed what I do, what she does, and it, it got us moving. very well said.
2: so uh, uh what did you say uh, when you were within earshot of Ron DeSantis to break the ice?
1: Ah, at the Super Bowl. Oh God um, you know i didn't I did not say anything to uh, Governor DeSantis. just Mahome's for president. Right. Go Chiefs! That's what I did. I became an obnoxious Chiefs fan. Which I'm very good at, by the way. It's my natural profession.
0: This is great. I mean, I think I think especially uh, Quentin, we appreciate because we're really talking about connection and building connections and building rapport. So I think these opening lines, which I think is probably always the scariest part, right? I mean, I guess we can talk about it from any kind of relationship standpoint. Is the first you know thing you say to the first person is the scariest part, and then once you get going, you're good to go. So I love that making sure it connects back to them what they're. important to them make sure it's clear about who you are and what you're there to have the conversation about. Um, I would love to hear, you know, just from a um, political standpoint briefly, are there any, like, you know, I think obviously I'm not in politics, I'd be horrible at it, um, but is there a way that politicians tend to connect with each other? And also are there connections across party lines? I think that's something we're all really curious about.
1: So, uh, yes, there are connections across party lines. Uh, not enough, candidly, but uh, I've got some real people on the right. I'm, I live more on the left or in the center. Uh, I've got some people on the right that I, I really like and appreciate. And it's a shame sometimes because you don't really get to amplify it um, a lot to the world. And I think if we could say, no, we're actually friends. It would make things better in some ways, but, uh, you know, that, I guess, doesn't win elections right now. I hope it gets back to that. And, and and frankly, I don't think I'll ever abandon that. In terms of, um, you know, kind of how we all interact with each other, I think there is an amazing understanding of the daily pressure that you you face in one of these jobs. And there are a lot of them. You know, I was I was with my mother this week. And, you know, I talked about, in some ways, <laughs> this is going to be a downer, you know, the soul crushing nature of uh, every moment you're out in the world, you're on every moment you're out in the world, you're answering for problems, not just inspired by you, but many others. And every moment you feel this pressure to to do better for the world. And um, it's tough. And I think, yeah, when you talk about mentors or mentees. You know, I had the chance to visit with Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles the other day. His city is about eight or seven times the size of mine. And, um, you know, it was an interesting chat because we talked about the very real problems and pressures, including for your family, that being in these positions uh, creates. And it has been an incredible aid to me when you live in a world each day where there are people coming at you um, I, I love, I love the dynamism, the action, the activity of my job, but I, you know, am a bit, uh, a bit saddened some days by the fact that, yeah, by the end of the day, your soul feels sucked out. And I recognize that's not unique to my profession. It's just a, a part of it as well.
2: And, and Q, you, you, you told me at one point that there was another group that you were part of, of, of mayors. Uh, that were uh, together it, is that something you can speak to a little bit and just how that helped you know kind of uh, you know give meaning and strength to you know others uh of your peers who are you know out there every day uh, looking out for the people in your town in their town
1: yeah i'm i'm part of a group of uh, young black mayors that we all got elected about the same time and it has been a real chat as we have talked about protests as we talked about covid as we talked about being leaders in states where your state capitals and your governors often have a a stridently different view than we do on how to get things done. Um, And we just talked about humanity and cracking jokes and, and, you know, why we do this. Uh, And and some, you know, there are a lot of things you miss about uh, life before the pandemic. One of them is that we were able to get together in Washington back in, January of 2020. I I certainly hope in January of 2022, we can get back to it because uh, it's a special group and it's a special opportunity for me. Amen to that, Quentin. And uh, I think it's
2: just so great that you're sharing all these examples of how mentoring can occur in so many different ways in 2021, even though this might be a a difficult time, but through text and whatever else. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love the positivity that, uh, I think we're wrapping up with uh, here. Uh, Julie, do you have any last, last, last question?
0: No, I mean, this is so great, Quentin. You brought such a cool perspective. I'm so impressed with what you're doing. Um, I just, it's incredible. I'm so glad that, I'm glad to know that somebody like you is in the political system working hard and I look forward to keeping track. And and thanks for those great, uh, I I mean, I think you'd be a phenomenal person to run into at a cocktail party. Um, and hopefully you'll inspire others to be able to be more, um, you know, to be more outgoing and to, and to be able to create those connections. So no, great. Thank you so much.
1: Other fun point is, um, you know, re- relating to barriers to entry. Sometimes I'm the quiet guy in the corner at the cocktail party. So, you know, give us a chance too. and then the other thing I will say is whatever you go off and do today, remember to be that famously excellent fill in the blank.
2: I love it, Quinn. Th- thanks for always pushing me and making me uh, uh, really think uh, about uh, how I'm approaching different problems. So uh, I appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you again to Quinton, the mayor of the city of Fountains, KC Mo, for teaching us how it is key to first be comfortable and confident in yourself when connecting with somebody new. When I first met Quentin, I could tell that he cared about me, even through all of the extraordinary nicknames and ribbing each other, we ultimately cared about one another. And from there, we built a strong foundation for our friendship. I hope one day that Julie will learn and tell me the nicknames that Gail and Oprah call each other. Until that day, well, see you all next week to listen for our sixth principle of mentoring, consistency with our spirit guide, who is Alex Trebek, leading the way. If you want to help Julie and Jimmy in our mentoring journey, then please subscribe, because we all should ask for help. Thank you to our producer, Erica Samus. See you soon.